Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Law and Finance Show. And today we have another great guest on. Now, when it comes down to, you know, figuring out how to get the word out about your business and how to get the word out about your firm and to attract clients, there are a number of strategies that you can take. So today I wanted to talk about someone that caught my attention because I saw something that they were doing on LinkedIn and it really made me think like, you know what? I really want to have a conversation with them and find out a little bit more about their firm and found out their journey and how they started using social media and then all the other things that they're doing to really make an impact for with their firm. So stay tuned for today's episode. Further ado, let me bring on my guest, Adam Rossin. Welcome to the show, Adam. Well, thanks for having me, Terrell. Hey, I just want to say I really liked your intro, and I loved uh, <laughs> you with the Captain America shirt. We have a Captain America figurine in my office that a client made with my face on there because I tell every client that we're we're the shield and protecting them from the government. So I love seeing that in, in your intro, man. That was great. Awesome, man. I love it. I love it. You know, when, when we did, my wife and I were actually in D.C. for something, and we had just decided to go down to like the National Mall, the film. And I just happened to have on the Captain America shirt that day. So I'm like, yeah, it worked out great being in front of, you know, the Captain America shirt, being in front of the nation's Capitol building. I'm like, you know, it worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. And look, for us, it's funny because most people think, oh, the prosecutors are like Captain America, the police. I'm like, no, 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 that's us. We, you know, we, we do way more to help and protect people and be that shield. So, uh, you know, it's kind of cool in what we do. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to jump into, you know, talking a little bit more about your firm um, in a few moments. But first, I want to start off by, you know, for the people who may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about you and your background? Yeah, sure. So my name is Adam Ross and I own the Rossin Law Firm in South Florida. Our main office is in Fort Lauderdale, but we have offices um, throughout Broward and Palm Beach County and we're rapidly expanding. Um, been a, was a prosecutor for two years and had the firm for almost 15 or so and grew up in South Florida, born and raised, uh, first one in my family and really just kind of fell in love with law and order you know, as a kid and a classic kind of, oh, he's great at arguing. You should be a lawyer and law and order is interesting. And I knew I wanted to do litigation and it just, but it wasn't until I, I was an intern, I did an internship at the prosecutor's office. So I was like, no, no, I really like criminal law. This is what I want to do. You know, PI is very lucrative and can be fun and, and great too, but I, I just really gravitated towards that and, and I love it. I don't really myself get to practice much anymore, but we've a little bit, I'm still involved in some of the high level strategy on, on our big cases, um, but we have an amazing team of lawyers and staff that are absolute rock stars. And, you know, we, I mean, the work we do, I, I think changes lives and betters our community. And it's not even close what we do compared to what I did when I was a prosecutor. Um, we, you know, we're we're the good guys, and it's it's immensely rewarding for us. Awesome. You know, one of the things I've been curious because you know my background is accounting and finance. I am not a lawyer. Never ever practiced law, nor have I went to law school. But one of the things I'm curious, like you know, when you go from you know the prosecutor to you know, being a defense attorney, like how was that transition for you? 
So for me, it was good. I, I think, I mean, look, I could be a tough, hard-nosed person, go, go, go. But I also think I'm naturally pretty empathetic. And so even when I was a prosecutor, you know, <clears throat> for a lot of these clients in, in different situations, I tried to put myself in their shoes and really understand what was going on. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, flip the switch, right? Friday, I'm a prosecutor. Monday, I'm a defense attorney. Well, it was, but it, it evolved, right? And so even with us, I'm very hesitant to bring on to our team former prosecutors. Every other of our other um, five attorneys are former public defenders just because I think, you know, they're better skill set for what we do and really buying into the mission and the vision of criminal defense. But it was something just for me, kind of a little bit of a natural proclivity towards that and then just developed over years, you know, um, and just realizing like, hey, as I'm building this firm, we want to make it client centric and client focused, not money centric or money focused, not, you know, the casework, right? Um, really about the client. And I think, you know, it's it just that's always been in me and it just kind of snowballed, you know, and grew. Nice, nice. So now... I guess when you were going through law school, was your intention to go into side as a prosecutor or, or I guess when you first started law school, did you know what aspect of law you wanted to focus on? I had no idea. I knew I, I really liked litigation. You know, I couldn't see myself as a tax lawyer or just, you know, pushing paper. Right. I knew I wanted litigation. That's what interested me. And I hated law school. So full disclosure, I was not a good law student. I went to the University of Miami. It's a good school. I didn't like it. <clears throat> I wasn't a good student because I don't care about the common law from the 1500s. Get me in, a, get my butt in a courtroom, right? And I didn't do any of those things until my second or third year. So, um, you know, that was that part was very frustrating. But once I was able to be kind of unlocked and unleashed with doing you know, mock trial, moot court, internships, and all of those things, Miami has a great program, the litigation skills program. That's when I was excited. Um, I made sure I took a class. That was taught. It was Monday night for three Monday night for three hours in the fall semester. That the famous criminal defense 20, uh, attorney Roy Black taught, and my mission was to get into Roy Black's class, to meet him, to learn from him, and to just you know absorb as much as I could. And it it was my favorite class at, at UM Law by far. It was amazing. He's brilliant. Nice, nice. You know, you, you speak about you know kind of getting in that class, learning from him, and like you know just kind of honing your skills on the craft of what you do. I mean, I'm curious, I guess, as, you know, as you continue to practice law, you know, are there some things that you continually do to kind of, to, to, you know, still hone your craft and, you know, develop even more? So with the legal aspect for me, not as much. I mean, I'm still, you know, like, I always joke with the lawyers, like when we're in you know, strategy meetings with us lawyers and we're talking, I'm like, hey, guys, I still got it. Remember, I'm still a good lawyer here. <laughs> you know, don't don't forget about me. Um, I mean, I still love looking at some of the case law and the different things. But to me, that's, you know, become like a secondary or even tertiary thing, because now it's, it's about the vision. I've I've really found over the last maybe seven years that I love the marketing. I love the vision. I love the business building, more of the entrepreneurial spirit. Whereas I still really like and enjoy the law, but in order to do what I really want to do and build the firm the way I want to build it, certain things had to, uh, that I had to do had to stop or take a back seat, and I had to replace myself with people as good, if not better than me, so I could do the things that really only I can do. Um, so I still love being involved, but no, I'm not the one. Like I've been to court. You know, our lawyers are in court every single day, every day. 
And I think I've been to court less than five times so far this year, maybe, maybe three or four times total. So, you know, a little I, bit, you know, little bit. I would say that brings up a good point because, you know, one of the things that one of the, the aspects of the conversations we like to have on this show is, is really, you know, when you go from that transition from just being a professional who practices law or the owner of a law firm who practices law to now having a transition from just practicing law to where I got to grow the business of the firm. And so, you know, how was it, you know, earlier on in that transition where you had to start letting go some of the practice of laws to start focusing on like, hey, are we going to have enough clients, you know, coming through the pipeline? Like, hey, do we have the right staffing in place? What was that transition like? Right. So when I, I started my firm in 2008, I was 26 years old. My old roommate and, you know, uh, and partner, we started a firm, we were roommates and we were just prosecutors for two years. And I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Like, how much, you know, we'll do it, right? <clears throat> It'll work perfectly. And we were partners from 08 to 15. And then he wanted to split the firm and we did. And we had never grew the firm. We had never grown the firm. So it was me and him. I was my own secretary and I was his secretary. And we're still great friends to this day. But that's kind of was my reawakening of going, okay, I'm on my own. I really need to learn how to build this. So 15, 16, and 17 were all about just kind of starting over, getting that foundation. And then we started, you know, brought in a legal assistant. Then I hired my first attorney in 2018, right after I bought my, my house that I spent way too much money on. And uh, at the time, now it's all good, right? It was everything with the real estate market. But um, the good thing for me was that lawyer is an amazing attorney. I was his high school basketball coach. His name's Manny. So we've gone back since 2003. He was an intern with me. He was a public defender for years and I knew his work ethic and his skills. So letting go of some of that was easy because when, by the time he came in, it was, oh, I'm swamped. You know, I hired too late, <laughs> which was a mistake that I did for a while. Now we don't, we don't do that. And him and I worked so well. So from 18, 19, 20, it was Manny and I in tandem. You know, the, the marketing went from Adam to Adam and Manny, you know, and for that two and a half year period. And it was great. And then the firm exploded um, during COVID. Well, after a few months of COVID, we went from doing really well to doing nothing for two months. Um, but Florida reopened very quickly and we made some very smart strategic decisions and we exploded. And last year we went from two to five lawyers in eight months. And that's when it was the structure, the infrastructure, the hiring, the, okay, what do we need to do to get me out? Because we're not running a multiple hundred thousand dollar firm anymore. We're running a multi-million dollar firm. And, you know, in order for us to do what we really want to do, I have to take a back seat to that. And we have, and there's trust. Um, Naturally, for some reason, you know, the trust with Manny, again, the relationship was there and we've hit it. We've, we've knocked it out of the park with our attorneys. So the trust is just there. Manny's the managing partner now. So, I mean, I'm barely involved in the legal, you know, in the legal department nowadays. Um, trust with some of the other areas of law or of the other areas of the business we're still working on, <laughs> you know, just support staff and intake and marketing and, I'm still very involved in all those, but um, yeah, you got to delegate. You got to delegate to elevate, and it's you know, certain things have been easy, and certain things have been real hard. You know, now I'm curious. You know, as you kind of 
you know, navigated, you know, moving from like to the technical side of practicing the law, you know, were you surprised at how much was involved with the business side of the law? Like, was it a surprise to you as you started, like, you know, kind of pulling the cover back on all the other things you needed to do? Well, it kind of just happened like that. So, you know, when we were in 20, early 2019, we were basically a team of, or, or yeah, three and a half. And at the end of 2019, we had grown to six, right? And then, you know, right before the pandemic. And that was a jump, but it was manageable. Um, we probably should have hired an office manager at that point, but Manny and I were co-office managers and it was manageable, you know? And once we exploded, it was just like, oh my God, like, wow, this, this became complex overnight. <laughs> and we didn't even realize how fast, again, we had explosive growth. So for us, it was just a week, you know, it was kind of like running around for crazy for months. And then one day we just looked at each other and we're like, this is a very complex business now. You know, <laughs> wow. Um, and yeah, so it just, you know, again, it was, it was just kind of exploded in that way. And yes, now, you know, we're at 15, 16, 17 people. We have a firm administrator. We have a whole leadership team. We run on, on EOS. Um, we're having our quarterly tomorrow with our implementer, which is amazing. And it's like, wow, this is like a, you know, a real, a real business, not a, not a law firm. Um, mm -hmm. And it's been challenging, but it's been fun. It's very challenging. Awesome. Awesome. I, you know, one of the things that I'm curious about, and part of this is because, you know, my background is accounting and finance is as you kind of make that transition to wrap your mind around the business side of it, you know, how much at all was your accountant or the your finance partner kind of involved with helping you know helping you kind of wrap your mind around hey here's what this means financially as you navigated that change right so in the growth not that much because like i said it just happened now yes so much more you know we've um now we actually have an outsourced cfo in addition to the accountant so things like that is you know we're trying one of our goals is to start making data, you know, driven decisions. And for us, it, it's key. Um, we never want to take the human element away or, or kind of like my gut feelings. My gut right, I think, pretty, you know, pretty often, but not always. But I want to be able to know, you know, instead of every lawyer that we've hired, so, or, the, you know, the first two or three lawyers that we hired, it was we were at like redlining at max capacity before we hired them. They, hey, we, if we can project out being, you know, plus 40 cases over the next quarter, then does that mean in six months we need a new attorney and a new support staff? And if so, we need to start maybe looking now or within the next 90 days, right? And then so we can, so it's going to take a while, then we hire them, you know, onboarding. So, you know, right? So trying to make forward thinking decisions, um, especially how do we spend our marketing dollars? Who gets a raise, how much and when and why? And it can't just be because Adam loves that person, right? You know, let's start looking at metrics because we may have the quiet, shy person who I don't spend that much time with, who's an absolute rock star and should be getting raise after raise after raise, but maybe would be too timid to ask or gets lost or forgotten about. And then that person will leave, you know, because we don't understand the true value, right? So all of those things. I just want to know. Um, and again, run it like a real business. 
you know, I, you know, I always ask because, you know, it's one of those things that I, I learn in, like I said, our firm, we work with a lot of law firms and, and I'm always curious of what other law firms have kind of, what their experience was because a common trend that I see, and I tell a lot of law firms is that, you know, I'm not saying that you necessarily need to work with us, but you need to work with someone who will help you navigate this because there's a lot of law firms that run into some pitfalls financially. Kind of like you said, when it came down to, you know, who do you give a raise to? And and do you just go off gut feeling or do you start to look at data now? You know, since you brought up about data, like, you know, how was it for other people on the team when they started to or have they even noticed that, hey, you know what? Adam's kind of using the data to really operate and make decisions and not just go off the fly, like have other people in the business notice you doing that? That's a great question. We're starting to do that, and that's one of our goals. What I'll equate it to is when we started EOS a year and a half ago and started our scorecards, which were just more of you know basic KPIs to judge the health of the firm, and when we were calling these out and having them up and right and, and the rocks and who was on track and off track, everybody told me, Adam, you're going to have turnover because Sally, who's been with you for years, who skates by is now going to be on that pedestal every week measure, just like everybody else. And people aren't going to like it because they're going to stick out, you know, poor performers will stick out like a sore thumb. And we had that. So we had a lot of turnover. Um, some of it was just because of massive growth. Some of it was just, you know, again, the people who got you there won't be the people that get you there or, you know, or your next level. And seeing that then up on the bright lights in the big stage, it was readily apparent that we may love Sally, but, She's just not, you know, not with it uh, for the long term. So in that respect, yes, absolutely. And, you know, we're going to see how these things progress once we really get diving deep into it. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, lawyer, most lawyers don't run their businesses like a real business. And I think we have to. We, we need to. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our families. We owe it to the, our clients. And we owe it to the families of, and, and our employees and their families. You know, I, I think that's a good point. And I'll even say that um, it's probably it's not just lawyers. Um, I've talked to a lot of accounting and, and finance firm owners and a lot of times accountants don't run their yep. business like a business. And which I think becomes like a double effect of accountants who are serving law firms. If accountants aren't running their business like a business, they're not going to think like a business when it comes to providing advice to, you know, the law firms that they're working with. So. I'm, I'm super glad that you guys are thinking that way and you you have the right, you know, finance and accounting partners in place to help you navigate that. So now I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the the market, you know, the firm and, you know, the types of clients and the types of cases that you guys you would say like, hey, here's our sweet spot. Like we do this very well. So what would that be? So we had all types of criminal defense. Um, state court, DUI, and federal and white collar. We, we handle it all. You know, we're based out of South Florida, um, but for federal cases, we'll pretty much go anywhere. And really, you know, our firm's motto is we help good people and bad things happen so they can achieve their best future. And what we took is we took past, present, and future, right? And so, you know, we're more of Suits, the, the TV show Suits, rather than Better Call Saul. And 95% of the criminal attorneys out there, it's a solo, it's like a Lincoln lawyer type, you know, solo, maybe with one staff. 
And, you know, it, it's better call Saul. I mean, sure, back in 2008, when I had nothing and started the firm with less, you know, with my partner and I think combined, we had less than 5,000 in savings. Sure, did I meet a client in a Burger King parking lot to get 200 bucks? Yeah, you, of course I did, <laughs> right? Do we do that now? No, right? So we have our marketing is, and everything we do, our hiring process um, is all about attracting and repelling. So we want to attract the clients that will do really well with us. We want to repel the ones that don't. Same thing with employees and really just everything. Um, so we've really focused on, look, you don't have to be super wealthy. Um, we are higher end on the fees, but we purposely don't want to price people out who, who are good fits. For us, it's somebody who, this is a life-altering event. First or second time ever arrested. Maybe there's substance abuse issues. Maybe there's mental health issues. We do really well with both of those. And those are kind of passions for me and the firm. Um, I think in criminal law, that has to be your passion, you know, because so many people are suffering from, from issues. And my favorite clients of all time are the teachers and nurses who will hire us. Maybe we're the third lawyer they've met with, third lawyer law firm. And we are 50% higher than the other two in fees, maybe 60%, you know, a few grand more for their DUI, let's say, but they say it's not even close. That's how important my teaching certificate or my nursing license is. I need to hire you. Can you offer me a payment plan? I'm not trying to negotiate fees or anything. Your fees are well-deserved, but I need help and I want you. Absolutely. Those are my favorites. Um, you know, because they, they truly understand the investment in their future. Somebody who's been in and out of trouble for 15, 20 years, probably not a good fit. Um, I'd say less than 5% of our clients are currently in custody right now, um, you know, which is very, very, very low for criminal defense lawyers, easily less than 5%. So. Wow, that is impressive. I mean, it's always amazing when you talk to people who, you know, have that much confidence in what they do and who they help, the value that they deliver, especially when it comes down. Like I was having this conversation with a, another accounting firm that also supports law firms and her and I, we were talking. Um, and one of the things we talked about was this: like, you know, we often find that people who tend to be a little shy about where they are on the scale of price point um, tend to struggle to really communicate the value that they deliver. So I, I love the fact that you guys are so confident about the value you deliver, what it really means to the clients that you serve. That That is amazing. Right. Yeah, our goal is to give to, to deliver a Ritz-Carlton type experience to criminal defense. Um, and we say that quite often, but not everybody in my firm has ever stayed at a Ritz. So sometimes I'll just say a Disney level experience, right? We, we won't have the character parade at 3 p.m. in the office, but you know, give that place where people are having a dark moment in their lives. One of the worst things that can happen. And just make sure that they are truly heard. They understand that we have their back. We're reliable and we're gonna fight for them. And we're, we're gonna really like truly honestly turn over every single stone and fight. And even if it means doing it on a five fee basis, doing you know more work, right? It's, it's worth it because of how important, you know, getting, um, going through criminal charges and getting a great result is to your future. So for us, it's, it's paramount that we, and not just 
the lawyers that get good results, but the lawyers that treat people well. That's why we have over 600 five-star reviews. You don't get that in criminal defense unless you really make a connection with people. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the key. Awesome. I love it. So if people are interested in learning more about, you know, the firm, they want to keep an eye on like, hey, the awesome things guys are doing, or, you know, what's the website or where should they look for you guys? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we try to be everywhere, you know, Facebook or Instagram, you can find us, Rossman Law Firm. Our website is rossmanlawfirm.com. And um, yeah, see that you, you know, you have it up. And even there, you know, achieve your best future. It's not six lawyers looking tough with their arms crossed, you know, grilling, right? It's, you know, it's client centric. Um, you know, everything, right? Our website was very deliberately done last year. We, we, we did a big redesign on that. So yeah, I mean, look, we, we love talking to people. I love going at places, meeting people, talking about this stuff. I, I love it. Um, I've had a lot of mentors over my, you know, last few years, especially. And, um, you know, this is, we're still scratching the surface about what I think we can do. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, one final question that I love asking every guest that comes on is, you know, we've talked about a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of insight shared in with the last 25 minutes. And so, you know, if you were if someone asked you like, take, hey, Adam, I want to go listen to that interview. Hey, what are two key takeaways I should be listening for when I listen to this interview? We've been able to really hone in on our vision and have a crystal clear one, three, five year plan. We even have you know, a 20 year out, Hey, what does this look like in 20 years? You know, in, in our firm, what's the ultimate long game goal. So regardless of what you're doing, you have to have that vision and then work back. Right. Um, and you know, for us, EOS has helped tremendously, but there's many other things that you can do. The second takeaway I would say is invest in your team and invest in coaching in particular. You know, it's not a cost. So whether it's, you know, maybe a managerial accounting or a forward thinking CPA or, or firm, you know, maybe a fractional CFO, a fractional CEO, you know, EOS, all the different programs that are out there. There's so many, but you got to sift through the BS because some of them are, are fakers and jokers, right? And it's about that trust. But you know, we went into EOS and luckily at that time I had the right mindset of, okay, this is an investment. This is a lot of money, but really this is not a lot of money. Um, if it's going to do what I, what it's supposed to do. And you got to have that trust and faith. So really, you know, second thing, invest in, in mentors, invest in coaching and have the trust that it's going to work and not, you know, hold back because of fear. And with those two things, I think anybody can grow and, you know, you can be unstoppable. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, Adam, thank you so much for being an amazing guest. Thanks for sharing your insight. Your wisdom has been a pleasure having you. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. We get it. Keeping track of your finances can seem pretty overwhelming when you're running a business. Achieving your financial goals in business should not be a guessing game. That's why it pays to work with someone that can take a hard look at your financial numbers and not add more stress to the balancing act of running your business. The T.O. Turner Group will provide a clear and concise explanation to your financial standing. The T.O. Turner Group will simplify finance and help you make smarter money decisions in your business.